This is the day that uh, me and the boys are getting ready to head to camp. Usually we head to camp and then sometime during the week comes around my anniversary. This year was a little different. Yesterday, Holly and I celebrated 17 years. Um, some of you were at our wedding 17 years ago. So God has blessed uh, me with the wonderful congregation to be a part of here uh, that I've been working with for several years. And one of the greatest blessings is since I came here, and it's almost as soon as I got here, uh, Holly and I, um, well, God put us together. So I'm grateful for uh, his blessing of a wonderful wife and uh, the good family that he's blessed us with, the wonderful boys that we have. Um, and it's kind of funny, so it was exciting that we were able to uh, spend our actually anniversary today instead of being at camp. You know what that's like, don't you, Charity? <laughs> Family camp always hit Jay and Charity. Um, but <laughs> it's kind of funny. We were looking forward to it. And then trying to get ready for camp and get other things done, get the house ready before we took off. It was still a chaotic day. We still didn't even get to really enjoy it. But, um, but anyhow, it was our anniversary, anniversary, and we're grateful for all the ways God has blessed us. We welcome everybody here, and I pray that you'll turn and open your books up as we do a survey of the Old Testament. And it's, the survey is going to slow down a little bit in its detail after today. But today I finish up some people and talk, that talks about the Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit of God, the Spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon people. Sometimes when God speaks, He sounds like thunder, doesn't He? So uh, maybe, the God, maybe God will speak to us today besides the thunder that we hear outside. In case the audio didn't pick that up, I want to mention that for later listeners. It just thundered. Might get worse, too. Um, last week and previously, we've looked at a lot of things, but just to highlight a couple of things, we considered Moses, and I mentioned last week that at some unspecified point, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Yahweh had come upon Moses, and we established that um, uh, very well last week. So Moses is one who the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him, and it was shared then with others. Uh, we also looked at Balaam, and here was a strange kind of man, and we went into detail about him, uh, mostly to really highlight this intriguing thing as we're trying to learn about the Holy Spirit it kind of blows my mind that the Holy Spirit was even messing with this guy. Because he seems like somebody who's trying to follow God and obey God, and he was talking with God, and then in the end, he is just all messed up. But at one point, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he had this prophetic utterance blessing the nation of Israel and casting a curse upon the people of Moab. So the Spirit of God came upon him, and I think we still have to learn from that. And then as we turn to the book of Judges, now we're going to get more of this language. With Balaam, it was the first time that the language was given, the Spirit of God came upon him. And when we get to Judges in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, when the sons of Israel, and this is after they had come into the promised land and um, we're supposed to be kind of finishing the conquering and driving out the peoples. They had just messed up all the time, fall away from God. But verse number 9 
says, when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. When he went out to war, the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand so that he prevailed over Cush Rishathaim. And then the land had rest for 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So here is the first judge. These people had been led by Moses. Moses was their leader. And then Joshua leads them, takes them into the promised land. And Joshua is one. Not listed here, but the Spirit of the Lord was on him through the laying on of Moses' hands. So the Spirit was on him. We talked about that last week. And so the Spirit of the Lord now is a, language, is a phrase that is used here in the Bible for the first time. Previously with Balaam, it was the Spirit of God came upon him. Now this says the Spirit of Yahweh came upon Othniel. And it's going to be the same, this, the name Yahweh, the more of the, it seems like things are getting more personal. The, the people of Israel have been to, uh, to, been to Sinai and they entered into a covenant with God. And a lot of people look at that and it looks like, it's almost like a marriage arrangement. God is the groom and Israel comes as a bride and they get married at Mount Sinai, they enter into a covenant together at the very least. And they learned, you know, Moses had learned Yahweh's name earlier at the, at the burning bush. So there's something about God delivering his name and sharing his name with his people. And anytime we go through scripture, and, and I should be more specific about what I'm saying here, with verse number 10 of Judges 3, the Spirit of the Lord. Anytime you see in your Bible, I think most of the translations do this, they capitalize Lord, L-O-R-D, all with capital letters, to indicate this is the, the name, and that's how they translate Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. And we pretend we know how to say it, even though the vowels weren't, weren't provided for us. The Spirit of Yahweh. This is the personal name of God. At, at, uh, at the burning bush, God says, I am who I am. You'll call me Yahweh. When the people ask who sent you, tell them Yahweh. I am who I am. Um, so that is the name of Creator God. And so... Sometimes the highlight, I've been going through this, do I want to continue as some of the translations do to say the Lord, or do I want to start using the name Yahweh more? Because that really seems to be more true to what was written in the Word of God. Um, we need to be careful with that name no matter what we use, and always use it properly and carry that name properly in our lives. But the language uses the name of God as it was revealed to Moses at the burning bush, uses his name for the first time, and it continues then, as it seems, as we go through Scripture. Though there are other places where it says the Spirit of God. So they are one and the same. When Balaam received the Spirit, when the Spirit of God came upon him, that was the Spirit of Yahweh. Um, but now it's just pointing, it's just a development. It seems more personal. It seems like God is coming near to his people and he is leading them, and he is going to be with those people from one judge, one leader, to the next. 
So Othniel was the first judge, and he became a leader. Um, not only did he kind of probably, these people probably judged in the sense they helped people with their problems and their issues, set out at the gate as a wise man who could help them with their, settle their disputes or problems, but it was also a godly leader who was able to lead people into battle and war against the enemies so that they could overcome their enemies. Um, so that is what Othniel was. When he judged Israel, he was able to go out to war and have the victory. Gideon is a name. In chapter 6, uh, we, we go to Gideon, and Gideon is the uh, fifth judge that's mentioned in the book of Judges. Verse number 34, of course, he's got a full backstory. It's really interesting how God talks to him, and he's kind of in hiding. He doesn't, he's not sure that he's the man, kind of like Moses. He's a reluctant leader. In 6.34, it says, um, and this is when the, as it says in 33, the Midianites and Amalekites, they've assembled. Verse 34 says, so that's the enemies have assembled. Verse 34, so the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and the Ab Abizrites were called together to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh and they also were called together to follow him and he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali and they came to meet with him. So here is this godly leader, reluctant leader, but now the spirit of Yahweh has come upon him so that now he's ready to lead with courage. He blows the horn, gathers the army, gathers a huge army. But God wants to do such great things through him. He says, your army's too big. Well, let's whittle it down some. Went from, uh, I don't remember how many there were to begin with, but it goes all the way down to 300. And then they destroy the enemy. All starting with the, time, the moment the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And now that's, and notice that this is an interesting thing about the Spirit it's mentioned with Gideon, but as I said, he's the fifth judge. Well, what about, Othniel was the first, how about the, the second, third, and the fourth? Did the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord come upon them? I don't, you can read through those stories and see if you find any details that would dictate or help you understand how the Lord might have led them or used them. But the Spirit of the Lord, that language for Gideon, the Spirit of Yahweh came upon him just as it had upon Othniel. Now the next one, Jephthah, the next one that the phrase the Spirit of the Lord came upon is Jephthah. And he, we're going to look at that phrase in chapter 11, verse 29. So now he is the eighth judge. So we skip past 6 and 7. We go to number 8. And uh, Jephthah is an interesting person that the Lord has chosen, the people have chosen to lead. And it says, verse 29, Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah Gilead he went on to the sons of Ammon. So he's building an army. As he passes through, he's getting ready to, uh, to go directly at the ones who are the enemy. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he heads toward the enemy. So each of, 
these times, I want to note this. As we look at these three people, each one of these occasions where God says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and even those that we've kind of skipped over, each one of these times there is a precedent that the people have called out for a judge. They have cried out as they're in this continual cycle. There's always a need. And you see it in particular, we read it in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 9, when the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. There was a need for God's people had a need. They needed God to do something. They needed a godly leader that God could work through. And so God calls upon somebody and he, his spirit comes upon them so they can do great things to rescue the people, to deliver them. That was also true for Moses. And I just want to glance back. And this is just kind of picking up on clues. It's not saying that, you know, that, that Scripture is saying, hey, look at this. If somebody has a need, then the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on somebody else. No, this is just looking and understanding how the Spirit works. The Spirit works when there's a need. And it will then find somebody, come upon somebody who will be a godly leader. So in Exodus chapter 3, look at verses 7 and 8. Um, this is at the burning bush. Uh, verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and uh, have heard their cry. Uh, if you know, if you're following along with New American Standard, I don't uh, care for that. I have given heed to their cry, but it's just simply I've heard their cry. God has heard them cry because of their taskmasters, masters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians. So here's the deliverance. I'm going to deliver them and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, you know, all of these, these things. So the people are crying out. God hears their cry. God hears them calling and pleading. God hears their groans and their moaning. And those are his people. And when his people need something, he is going to send a deliverer, and so the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Yahweh, is going to come upon someone. So the Spirit led these men to be courageous leaders. Um, the judges that were talked were spoken of, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. They became courageous leaders who did something great for God to deliver His people. There was a need; they stepped in with the help of the Spirit and working with the Spirit. They delivered for God. Now we go on to the next phrase. The Spirit of Yahweh. This is the same. It's been introduced. The Spirit of Yahweh came upon. Now it's going to change just a little bit. And it's going to stay changed as we progress through the Scriptures. Not only is it the name of Yahweh that it's very the personal name of God, uh, but it says the Spirit came mightily upon and the first one that this is referenced, this new phrase, this new language is Samson. Judges chapter 14 and verse number 6. 
And by the way, Samson, uh, if you back along and come through, Samson is judge number 12. So now we jump from judge 8 with Jephthah to Samson, and the lot is devoted to speaking about Samson. The spirit of Yahweh came mightily upon Samson. So let's look at first at Judges 14, verse number 5 and 6 with it. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily so that he tore him as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or mother for what he had done. Now, Samson's not the greatest character always. Um, And perhaps there's even a clue in here, the fact that he's near the vineyards and he is not supposed to, to partake of wine and be... You know, he's, he's not supposed to eat grapes since he's a Nazarite. You know, so maybe there's even a clue in there. I'm not positive about this, that he was getting too close to the vineyard. I, and a lion comes out to, because he's doing the wrong thing. Maybe there's a clue there, but he's just not that great. Samson has all these things that we're just, we read about Samson, and we just shake our head and we're like, God used this guy? This is, this is weird. But the spirit came mightily upon him. It's like the spirit rushed upon him just as the lion it kind of roared upon him, just as the lion was roaring upon him. At the same time, the spirit of God comes roaring, comes rushing upon, comes mightily upon Samson. So, new language. And it feels like a whole new, another level. Um, And it's very strange to say that because I think Moses was a much more godly leader. Maybe some of these other guys, I even like Gideon much more than, uh, even though he was reluctant, he seemed like maybe a little bit more of a godly man than Samson. But Samson, the spirit comes mightily upon him. It takes hold of him in a powerful way. If you look at the language of that word that comes mightily upon him. And it's interesting, though, because you back up. This is not the first time that the Spirit was mentioned in connection with Samson. Because when he was born, he had been promised as a deliverer. And that's what chapter 13 is is all about, is is Samson's parents and the promise that uh, even though Mrs. Manoah, Manoah, we don't know her name, but she was barren, but the, the child was promised to her as a deliverer for the people. And then it says in verse chapter 13 of Judges, verse 24, Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit, verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahana Dan, between Zorah and Eshtol. And this is a new phrase for us. Unless you were listening uh, in last week's sermon, the Spirit began to stir. I I used this phrase when I was talking about Moses. Maybe the the Spirit had stirred earlier in Moses when he was in Egypt as a young 40-year-old man and thinks, I'm going to deliver the people. Maybe that was from the Spirit 
stirring in him. I don't know. But here we know with Samson that when he was young, at some point in time, before we get to chapter 14, before his story develops, there is a point in time earlier, before that incident with the lion, the spirit began to stir in Samson. And I just love that thought. Thinking about young people. I'm getting ready to go to camp. And thinking about with young people that the Spirit of the Lord can begin to stir in us when we are young. And I think He does. People have these young people. We, if, you, if we're able to go back in time and remember our youth, we had all these questions. We wanted to know all the answers. We wanted to know about things we couldn't see. We wanted to know about the eternal things. Is there really a God? How can I know He's there? Can I trust this book? We all went through those questions probably when we were young as the Spirit of God stirred in us and get us to seek Him and to look to Him. And don't ever turn away from that Spirit. Let us keep the Spirit Stirring in us. Let us keep listening to that spirit because I think he's reaching out to people everywhere. So, spirit began to stir in him. And then when he's uh, come into his manhood, I guess, he tears apart this line because the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Now go to uh, chapter 14, verse number 19. He ends up marrying, and and by the way, you know, he ends up getting married to this foreign woman. Um, And while he's going back and forth from there, he ends up giving, he gets the honey out of the lion. He finds finds the lion, a dead carcass. Jews were not supposed to go up to dead things and touch them that would make them unclean. Samson doesn't just touch the unclean thing. He reaches inside and pulls out honey and it's all over him. And he's, I don't know how he's eating it, but he's, uh, he's shares it with his parents. He makes them unclean and doesn't even tell them. So Samson's just this guy. We're shaking our head. Um, and he does the riddle thing. They get the riddle because, uh, he's exposed. He's, he is, a. Uh, well, however, his new wife just uh, doesn't care for the riddle. She helps, uh, she helps the others figure it out. And so, verse number 19, when they figure out the riddle, Samson's upset. But it's not just Samson. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them. And took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle. That was the wager. 30 changes of clothes. And his anger burned and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion uh, who had been his friend. So here is the spirit of the Lord coming upon Samson mightily and causing him to kill these 30 men that he had to Uh, Because he had a wager with these other folks. So, interesting stuff. A little bit, I would say, really strange things going on here from my perspective. But ultimately, it's God working through this one man who becomes a one-man army 
to destroy these other people who are causing all kinds of problems for the people of Israel, God's people. And I didn't go back. Um, uh, verse chapter 13, verse number 1, kind of sets the scene. The sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So trouble comes upon the people of God and they're in the enemy's hands and so they are certainly going to be crying out and need a deliverer. Um, God uses Samson. Interesting character to do this. So Samson does these interesting things. He's very, very strong. Chapter 15, verse number 14, is the next time that the phrase is used. Um, they have bound Samson. They're taking him, I think they're carrying him back to the Philistine lands. He's agreed to go with them because of the problems he's called. He's delivered himself over to spare his people. But uh, verse 14 says, When he came to Delhi, he's bound with these ropes. The Philistines shouted as they met him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds dropped from his hands. So when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, he has this great strength and breaks these ropes just like they were nothing. It doesn't stop there, though, does it? Verse 15, he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey so that he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Spirit of the Lord coming upon him mightily. First, Samson, the spirit began to stir in him, and now there's three times it mentions that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him mightily, and he always ends up killing the enemy. So, he's a one-man army. The weird thing for us, for me, is that his character was more like Balaam than it was like Moses. He just is not, he, there's nothing that oppresses me that I want to say, wow, this is a great man of God. But God still uses him. The Spirit of the Lord still comes upon him. Um, and in his death, it even seems like he is, uh, well, in verse number, uh, chapter 16, verse 28. Uh, it says, Samson called the Lord, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, O God, that I may at once be avenged of, of the Philistines for my two eyes. And so he grasps pillars and brings the house down, killing more than in one moment than he'd killed in his whole life. It doesn't say there that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, but the Spirit of the Lord certainly provided his strength to be able to do that. But the reason he wanted to do that was to take vengeance for his eyes. He doesn't even seem to, to care about the fact that, let me deliver my people, I'll sacrifice myself for the people. He says, I'd rather die and kill all these people just because they poked my eyes out. It just seems selfish and shallow. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and used him. This one man army who delivered the people of Israel. Then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul. 
First Samuel. So this is some time later. Samuel has been the, uh, the next judge, the next leader of Israel. And in First Samuel chapter 10, we, uh, we find that the new king who is to be is King Saul. When Samuel is about to anoint him, uh, he, uh, he proclaims some things, and he talks about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon this new guy, Saul. So let's first uh, look at verse number 6. 1 Samuel 10, 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily, and you shall prophesy with them, with these prophets he was going to run into, and you shall prophesy with them and be changed into another man. So Samuel tells of these things that's going to happen to, to Saul, and it came to pass. Verse number 9. Let's look at... Uh, 1 Samuel 10, verses 9 and 10. Then it happened when he turned his back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. And all those signs came about on that day. When they came to the hill there, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. So here is Saul, a new character in the scheme of things and he is the one Israel has asked for a king so they're going to get their king it's going to be Saul and the spirit of the Lord spirit of Yahweh came upon him mightily so it's the same language that was with Samson and now it's being applied to Saul so he comes and he uh, prophesies the spirit is obviously with him and the interesting thing is he really starts seems to start out humble as truly a good character in this whole story, unlike Samson, unlike ba uh, Balaam, he is one who the Spirit comes upon and we really like him. Even when he is made king, he goes back to the fields. And it is when he finds out that the enemy is coming and is bringing harm to his people Verse number 4 of chapter 11, it says, Then the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and spoke these words in the hearing of all the people, and all the people lifted up their voices. Here are the people crying out. There's a problem here with God's people. There is an enemy who is harming us. Verse 5, Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. Here's the humble king. He's already been appointed king. He's humble. He's just out there working. What's the matter with the people? That they weep. So they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul mightily when he heard these words, and he became very angry. He goes out and he leads the people, calls them to him, leads them into battle. And even the naysayers who didn't like Saul are now saying this is, well, they, um, they run into their own end. But Saul received this wonderful spirit that came upon him mightily, and he led the people. But it seems like he didn't heed that humble spirit too long. The guy who hid among the baggages, the guy who was out in the field working, he uh, seems like he let his position go to his head. He became a mighty king, 
but he made some errors and he did not trust in the Lord God. So he lost out on being king and God chose somebody else and that was David. A man after God's own heart. So now we get to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. The very next time that the phrase is used, the, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon, it comes upon David. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, it says, uh, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David... That's the same phrase that we've been looking at for these other judges, starting with Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon, but now listen, we have an addition to the phrase. From that day forward. David's a new character, and he's kind of one that you like, just like Moses. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and it didn't depart from him, it seems. It was with him from that day forward. In contrast, as you keep reading, it says, And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Verse 14, Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. So just considering these people today and thinking about what happens with the people, and even though sometimes... Their character doesn't seem like they're men of God, like the Holy Spirit would want to interact with them. At least I don't think I would, but God can still use those people as much as possible. But then there's this standpoint also where you can just run off the Spirit of God. Just like Samson. Uh, well, I can't say for sure about Samson. I don't know about him that he ran off the Spirit. But Balaam, his life ended with terrible circumstances. And certainly the Spirit departed from Saul. The spirit of Yahweh can change a man to become a courageous leader, but man can grieve that spirit and the spirit then depart. So I just want to encourage you today. When the spirit of the Lord begins to stir in you, obey that spirit and be changed by that spirit. Be made new by that spirit from day unto day. Don't let that, let that be, spirit be with you from this day forward. Never grieve the spirit of God, but be a willing vessel to be a courageous leader who will do great things for the Lord God. Do great things for Yahweh. He, will, he can do amazing things if you'll just let Him use your life. Even when you're young, even when you're middle-aged and distracted, even when you're old and you don't feel like you can do anything, but you got the time, God can do great things through you. Heed the call of His Spirit and never grieve. If there's anybody here who needs to give their life to Christ, I encourage you to give your life to Him. Let that Spirit dwell in you and do great things through you. If you need to respond, you're welcome to come as we stand and sing.